Psalm 118. Father, we just thank you for this morning. And Lord, we thank you and praise you uh, for the freedoms we have to still carry a Bible. Lord, it's just reality. There are so many countries where Bibles are illegal. And Father, there are various countries right now that, that allow Bibles, but persecution is extreme in those countries. And so Lord, we just thank you and praise you for our military, for those who are protecting our freedoms so that we can carry a Bible, so that we can pray, so that we can sing, so that we can do the things we do, evangelize and minister to our community. So Lord, help us to be aware of what's going on around us, but also right now, help us to lay aside the day. Help us to lay this past week at your throne. To really get focused. (laughs) To really get focused, Lord. To turn our phones on the vibrator off. (laughs) That we might just give these next few moments to you, Lord, in eternity. We only have so much time on this side of heaven to get prepared for eternal things. So Lord, bless this morning in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, Psalm 118, you know, as we will see, this psalm may, I say may, but it sounds like it pretty much is, may have been written during the time of the rebuilding of Jerusalem or around 444 B.C. B.C. So almost 2,500 years ago, Nehemiah was commissioned by King Artaxerxes to go back to Jerusalem and reestablish itself as a fortified city. And Ezra was already there, the priests, and the nations around them didn't like the fact that the Jews, compare this to even today, that the Jews were coming back to rebuild Jerusalem. Not just any city, but specifically Jerusalem. You see, these enemies harassed them, intimidated them, challenged them, and even wrote letters against them. And you can see all this in the book of Nehemiah. I encourage you to read the book of Nehemiah, maybe this week. Even wrote letters against them to the king who was dwelling in Babylon. But, but, none of this stopped them from their goal of rebuilding the temple. And this is key for you and me today as believers in Christ. For their commission truly came from God. And for as ambassadors for Christ, you and me as ambassadors for Christ, no matter who comes against us, it shouldn't stop us from our great commission to build up the kingdom of God. And that's not a physical kingdom on this earth that the apostles were thinking about. Hosanna, save now. Hosanna, Hosanna. Save us from Rome. Save us from Rome. You're the Christ. Save us from Rome. No, they didn't get the big picture. Save us from ourselves. That's what we need to be saved from. So, it's very, very important. Now, the Hillel Psalms, or praise Psalms, consist of Psalm 113 to 118. And this is why, specifically for this morning, jump forward to 118. You see, these Psalms are expressions of thanksgiving and joy for divine redemption. For divine redemption. You know, two were sung at the beginning and four were sung at the end of the Passover celebration. 
In Matthew 26, 30, we read this. And when they had sung a hymn, oh, I wonder what they sang. They sung Psalms 113 through Psalm 118. So again, if you'd like to read these this week, you will know what they sung at the Passover because these songs are still sung today by the Orthodox Jews who celebrate Passover. And think about that, that Jesus was enjoying a praise time with his disciples. Wouldn't that have been awesome to hear the voice of Jesus singing, singing out praise? And as you read those Psalms from Psalm 113 to 118, as we're going to do this morning, Psalm 118, you could see how it was impacting his life. I mean, who inspired the scriptures? God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit inspired men to write them. So Jesus is singing what he inspired. That's pretty impactful. And that's pretty incredible. So Jesus and disciples would have sung Psalm 118 before they left the upper room that night. That would have been the last song that they would have sung. So let's read it. Psalm 118, verses 1 through 4. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Now, guys, as we read this, think about Jesus. He knows. The disciples don't have a clue. But he knows. Tomorrow, I am going to be nailed to a cross naked. They crucified criminals totally naked. When you see crucifixes today, Jesus has a loincloth on them. That's a nice gesture. Totally naked. He knew tomorrow I'm going to be hanging on a tree for sinners like these 12 guys. 11 at this time. But what is he saying? Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his mercy endures forever. Let Israel now say, his mercy endures forever. Let the house of Aaron now say, his mercy endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord. Do you see three groups of people there? All of the Jews, all of Israel, all of the priesthood, And all of you Gentiles who believe, those are the three groups, let those who fear the Lord now say, His mercy endures forever. Forever. How long is forever? That's for you and me. On March 25th, 2018. That's part of forever. So this morning, whatever you felt like, or whatever you've gone through this week, or month, or year, or or maybe your life, You might need to do a little bit attitude adjusting and realizing his mercies are new every morning, as the Psalms say. Because oftentimes we can get into the woe is me and where's God and this, that and the other thing. No, God is on the throne and he loves you and he allows you and me to go through certain things so that we might mature and be a witness for him through whatever we're going through, good or bad times. You see, right now, the Lord God had to remove the Israelites from the land of Babylon, and now they are back in the land of Israel, in this psalm here, in Psalm 118. Which goes to show us once again that God is faithful, 
even when his children are not. And you'll understand what I mean by that in a few verses. Let's look at verses 5 through 14. I called on the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Again, think about that. Jesus is saying this tomorrow crucifixion. The Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I shall see my desire on those who hate me. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in men. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. All nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. They surrounded me. Yes, they surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. They surrounded me like bees. They were quenched like a fire of thorns. For in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. You pushed me violently that I might fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. This section here deals with the fleshly notion that we can accomplish something apart from God. And it's just pretty typical to try to handle things ourselves. But when you read the word, we always fall short when we do that. We always end up typically forsaking God. You see, it wasn't it their own political? Think about them being taken to Babylon. Wasn't it their own political as well as religious leaders that caused them to be taken into captivity? You see, hundreds of years earlier, King Solomon, one of the wisest men that ever lived, went from worshiping the one true God to worshiping idols. He started the downward spiral of the nation. And so the psalmist makes it perfectly clear that we could not depend upon a man, even Solomon in all of his wisdom. No, we need to stay focused upon God. Look at verses 5 through 7. Because God removed any fear about man from this person's life. As the psalmist is writing this, God removed any fear about man from his life. You see, he was ready to do whatever the Lord asked him to do because God was on his side. You know, it's impossible to lose when God is on your side. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but one plus God is majority. So even when you're alone, you are never alone. You've got the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. So one plus God is always a majority. When you look at verses 8 and 9, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. You see, people will always try to convince us that they have the ability to change things. Every four years... And then those midterms, we hear it over and over and over again. But you see, only God, and this is key for you and me this morning, only God can change the heart, and it's the heart. Tony shared this last night. I mean, it was amazing what he shared last night. Who he was before Christ, and he received Christ at 38 years old. He was married. And how vile he was, and how he didn't really care about his wife And her issues that she had because it was all about him. And how the Holy Spirit has changed his life. Transformed him. 
Because he's surrendered to the Holy Spirit. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. That needs to be changed in order for any other change to take effect. And we see this in our politics. They promise all these changes and then once they get in, it's almost the same as always. Yeah, it may be tweaked a little bit here or there and things get a little bit better here and there. But what are what's going on even right now if you're watching any of the news? Even the Republicans now are complaining about the president, let alone the Democrats who hate him. You made all these promises and you just signed a piece of paper the other day. You're reneging against your promises. Well, you trusted in a man. How about trusting in God? Because God never fails you. Verses 10 through 13, all nations surround me. The nations around Israel wanted to destroy them. Again, go back to Nehemiah's day. And I know this might be kind of hard, but go back to Nehemiah's day. If you're not reading your Bibles from Genesis to Revelation, read your Bibles from Genesis to Revelation. And when you have a Bible study like this, it won't be so hard because you've at least got it in here and the Holy Spirit will drop it down to here. And so when somebody's talking, you'll be able to go, oh yeah, I, I remember someone about the Nehemiah. Oh, I know, I've read the book of Nehemiah. Yeah, I've read that. And it'll start to click. It'll start to gather. You'll start to gather more spiritual information. But the nations wanted to destroy them. Then, as well as today. But the Lord will cause Israel to survive no matter how hard they get pushed. Why? Well, verse 14 tells us, the Lord is my strength and song, the psalmist says. Personal, personal. So we can't apply this generally. You know, many times our politicians, after they give their speeches, say what? At the close of their speech, God bless America. It's kind of like a tag. Well, let's just throw that on there. God bless America. I'm an idiot, but God bless America. God's not going to bless America. God blesses individuals that are seeking after Him and following His ways. God just doesn't bless America or any other nation because someone who's disobeying the Word of God, who's endorsing abortion, who's endorsing homosexual marriage, who's endorsing living together, who's endorsing cheating on your taxes or whatever sin you want to throw out there, God's not going to bless that. God's not, God can't bless that. That's impossible. And so Israel here, you know, even today, a majority of the Israelites today do not believe in God. But God made a promise, whether they believed in Him or not, that I'm going to restore you, I'm going to rebuild the land, I'm going to bless the land, and the nations around you are going to come against you once again. And that's happening in our lives today. I pray that America doesn't come against them. We're very, very close. You see, man's promises mean nothing. Even on a marriage, unfortunately, we promise each other certain things on our wedding day. And on the honeymoon, we fall short, even on the honeymoon. You see, our promises to one another, they mean nothing, as we see them so often broken. But God doesn't break His promises. They are certain. And that's why you want to base your singlehood, your marriage, your young, your, your youth, your older saints. Base your life upon the word of God. The Lord is my strength. Notice that. And song. He has become my salvation. 
Do you know Jesus as your Savior this morning? Bring it up to 2018. You see, Jesus came and died for you. And if you do not have Jesus as your Savior, if you're sitting here this morning, you have to hear this. You may only be here one time, so I'm going to tell it to you. If you do not have Jesus as your Savior, according to the Word of God, if you die without Jesus as your Savior, you will go to hell. Well, that's not very nice. I thought I was in church on a Sunday morning. You are in church. And I don't want to love you to hell. I want you to know the truth. You may not agree with me. That's your choice. But if you read your Bible, you're going to find out real quick. Jesus made that a same assertion. Jesus talked about hell a lot. Because it was created for the angels. It was never created for mankind. Read your scriptures. Hell was never created for mankind. And God doesn't send anyone to hell. We make a choice, just like you're sitting there right now, if you don't know Jesus, and you're going, I don't believe this, I don't want to hear this, I am done with this, I'm going out to lunch right after this. Okay, that's your choice. But you just stiff-armed God. You didn't stiff-arm me. You stiff-armed God. And God will bring you back to this day when you stand before him and say, hey, wait, 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 March 25th, 2018, that knucklehead who is telling you to receive Jesus, you didn't believe him. So don't blame me. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. I never knew you. So it's not about head knowledge. It's about our heart. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. In verses 15 through 18, the voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand, and again, most of you know this, but if you're newer visiting, the right hand is strength, typically. Most of us are right-handed. The Bible, when it talks about the right hand, is talking about strength, power, authority. So the right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. Think about that, resurrection. Jesus is saying this. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. This must have been something. You know, after all those years in Babylon, to be back in Jerusalem due to the power of God. You see, Ezra knew that. Nehemiah knew that as well. And it was only because of God that they were back in the land. And it was only because of God that the walls were rebuilt, the doors were rehung. And the peace and safety of Jerusalem was reestablished. And that's still the case today. God used Nehemiah to do such a work. And the people came together and completed the work in 52 days. Again, read the book of Nehemiah. It's very short. These walls were not skinny little things like we have in our backyard. You know, a 4816. Or maybe you have a super wall, a 16816. Uh, Ooh, really big wall. This is a huge wall. They've actually unearthed the wall. And as you read the book of Nehemiah, two groups of people got up on the wall and marched around Jerusalem, praising, giving glory and honor to God Almighty. Again, this was not a little wall. This was an intense wall. When this singing took place, matter of fact, Nehemiah tells us that the voices of rejoicing were so loud that the people heard them from miles around. 
their enemies, those who wanted to kill them to stop the work, they heard the praise of Almighty God. Why? Because the right hand of the Lord is exalted. Notice that in verse 16. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. Now, here is something very important, especially about this day as we celebrate Palm Sunday. We know that Nehemiah was the cupbearer before the king, and he went to the king in the month of Nisan, which is March-April time frame. And once the king gave the commandment to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, the prophetic clock spoken of by Daniel the prophet started ticking. And you can find this in Daniel chapter 9. Now in Babylon, modern-day Iraq, which was just changed to... No, sorry. So modern-day Iraq, there was a palace in the city of Shushan. And in this city, there have been excavations that have produced writings which give us the exact date of that command to go and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. This is just amazing, the Word of God. That date was March 14th, 445 B.C. 445 B.C. And if we then take and multiply the number of weeks spoken of by Daniel, and the number of weeks are 69 weeks, seven days in a week, so 69 times seven, and you multiply that out, and then you have, you have 360 days in the Babylonian calendar, in that day and age, you come up with a total number of 173,880 days. Now hang in there, because I know I'm throwing a lot at you and we're kind of bouncing around through centuries here, but this is very, very important to why we even celebrate Palm Sunday. So, we now know that there are exactly 365 and a quarter days in the Julian calendar. So when you divide the 365 and a quarter into the 173,880 days, you come up with the date of April 6th, 32 A.D. Just by chance. Just by chance. You see, this is the exact date that Jesus came into Jerusalem riding on the colt of an donkey. The exact date. Let's look at Luke chapter 19. So even though we just went through a little exercise and you're probably going, I really don't care, what does that mean to me? You should care because that's why Jesus came. To fulfill all scriptures. No other book does what the Bible does. Luke 19.41 Now as he drew near, the he here is Jesus, as you read the text to get the context. Jesus saw the city and wept over it. What city? The city of Jerusalem. Saying, If you had known, even you, especially in this your day. They had the scriptures, guys. They had the scriptures. I even shared this one time when I was in Israel. On a tour, I was down... I forget what I was doing, but I was down at the front desk. And and they're very polite, and they'll listen to you. Because, you know, you're the customer. And I said, well, what do you guys do with the prophecy of Daniel and, and the time of the rebuilding of the wall of Jerusalem that Nehemiah was commissioned to do? 
And that prophecy in Daniel where you come up to the exact day when the Messiah comes into Jerusalem, what do you do with that information? And they were just kind of wondering, what's this Gentile talking to me about the Old Testament? And he's making so much sense. And they're just, they just stood there and said, I don't know. I'll, I'll have to, I, I don't know. I go, well, please talk to your rabbi. Because there's no way around it. It's, it's your word. It's the word. And Daniel said, this will happen. You can't get out of it. So guys, this is vital for you and me. Jesus says, this day. If you would have just counted the number of days, if your religion, if your religious authorities would have counted the number of days, boom. He's the Messiah. There's no other way around it. Especially in this day, the things that you make, make for your peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. And this is very relevant for you and me today. As a majority of the church does not even believe in a rapture. I'm talking big C. Big C. A majority of Christians around this world do not even believe in such a thing as the rapture. But if you read your Bible, we know when Jesus is coming back the second time. Daniel gives us the exact day that Jesus is coming back to this earth. Because Daniel says, when you see the abomination of desolation set up in the holy place, which is halfway through the tribulation, and he gives us the number of days in Daniel, if you were to survive the first three and a half years of the tribulation, because over half the population of the world today, during the first three and a half years of the great tribulation, is going to be annihilated. Read your Bibles. Revelation makes that perfectly clear. So if you are to survive the first three and a half years, when you see the Antichrist place, that idol in the holy place on the Temple Mount, which will happen, you could count the number of days Jesus is coming back. But Jesus said no one knows the day or the hour of his return. So either he doesn't know the scriptures or he's lying or he's talking about that thief that comes when you don't know when he's coming. And that's why he says, always be ready. Always be ready. And so I firmly believe in the rapture because uh, Jesus was lying otherwise. Because I know when he's going to come back. Now, I don't know now, but if I was to survive the tri- halfway through the tribulation, I'd be able to say, hey guys, Jesus is coming back. So that's why people look at us and mock us about the rapture. You're just crazy. Really? Read your Bible. Well, you're an escapist. Yeah, yeah, praise the Lord. Because Jesus even said, pray that you would be counted worthy to escape the things that are coming upon this earth. I'm fine with that. Call me an escapist. I'm fine with that. You enjoy the tribulation. I'm out of here. Have a good time with it. I hope you survive and receive Jesus. For days will come upon you and your enemies will build an embankment around you. So now Jesus is talking about 70 AD. And again, I know this is kind of confusing. That's why you've got to keep reading your Bible. Surround you and close you in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know. Why? Because you did not know the time of your visitation. You didn't receive the Messiah. Daniel told you I would be here. You ignored the scriptures. So here is your punishment. Here is your, not punishment, here is your discipline. Here is your discipline. You want to believe in man? You want to believe in your high priest? You want to believe in other men? Fine. 
Have it your way. Here is your discipline. You're going to be hauled off the land. Back in Psalm 118, verses 19 through 21. Open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go through them. And I will praise the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous shall enter. I will praise you for you have answered me and have become my salvation. Now think about gates. You see, in those days, a city without gates was useless. But now they had the gates in Jerusalem in place once again to stop the thieves from coming and going as they please. And I could just imagine the excitement in their voices as they finally had a place to live in peace. The enemy was now on the outside trying to get in, but only the righteous were allowed in. You see, God had answered their prayers. He was their salvation. And 22 through 24, the stone which the builders rejected. This should sound very familiar to you. Jesus quoted this. Paul quoted this. Peter quoted this. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Jesus is saying this that night. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. You see, when Jesus made reference to the scriptures in public, the religious Jews wanted to kill him right there on the spot for they knew that he was speaking specifically about them. You have rejected the chief cornerstone. And yes, they did end up rejecting Jesus as the Messiah. But that didn't stop Jesus from becoming the chief cornerstone. It was the Father's doing. And it was marvelous in our eyes. Praise God. Verses 25 through 28. Save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Doesn't that sound familiar? Hosanna, Hosanna, save now, save now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then a week later, crucify him. He's not our Messiah. Crucify him. Christians, how many Christians have left the faith? You know, there's a there's an apostasy. I, I definitely believe we're in the last days. There's an apostasy that's come upon the church. And churches are leaving the faith. Trying to keep the numbers because church numbers are dwindling. So they're compromising, 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 trying to keep the church numbers. No, just teach the word of God and don't worry about the numbers because the Bible says there will be an apostasy. There will be. It's going to happen. So don't worry about the numbers. Just stay focused on your own personal walk with the Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. God is the Lord. And he has given us light. Bind the sacrifices with cords to the horns of the altar. You are my God and I will praise you. You are my God and I will exalt you. Let's go through some scriptures. So get get ready. John chapter 1. Get there fast. John chapter 1. Because God has given the world his light. John chapter 1 verses 3 through 5. And we'll be in John for a few verses here. All things were made through him, capital H, Jesus. And through him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. 
And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So for you and I, as we go into our workplaces, our neighborhoods, our families, sometimes they just don't get you. I just don't understand why you go to church on Sunday. I don't understand why you talk about the Bible. I mean, I, th- I think you're, you're an extremist. Aren't you, don't you realize you're an extremist? I, I just don't get you. John 3. Let's look at John chapter 3, 19 through 21. As Jesus is speaking. And this is the condemnation. That the light has come into the world and men or mankind, this is men and women, love darkness rather than the light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. So again, why do people hate your stance about Christianity? Because you are light and you are truth. And they would rather be in the darkness. They would rather be comfortable in their own sin. How about John chapter 8? John chapter 8 verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. Guys, don't ever forget this. Our government is not the light. Our president is not the light. Your 401k is not the light. Your career, your family, your children, they're not the light. Jesus is the light. Cling to Jesus. I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness. Notice that. So if you're having issues in your life right now as a believer, it's probably because you're in the darkness. And you need to repent. You need to get right with God. And make sure that you do that on a regular basis. Confess your sins on a regular basis. Be right with God. But have the light of life. How about Acts chapter 13? Acts chapter 13. 46 through 48. Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first. He's talking to the Jews. Everywhere that Paul went, he always went to the synagogue first. They had the word of God. That was his first outreach. And after the Jews, then he would turn to the Gentiles. But since you reject it, and have judged yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. So you see, guys, we have a choice to make. Do I want to go and live in the word of God, or do I want to go and live in myself? Verse 47, For so the Lord has commanded us, I have set you as a light to the Gentiles. So Jesus is the light. Jesus is now in heaven. So we just can't say Jesus is the light, but Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to you and I to dwell within us so that we might be what? So that we might be the light. That we would be light bearers. That we would proclaim the goodness of God. I have set you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. Now when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. This to me would be like an unbeliever today, as Tony shared again last night, how he, there was a deal with him and, and the pastor at the time where if he came to church three weeks in a row, because he was an unbeliever, his wife had received the Lord, if he came to the church on Sunday mornings, three Sundays in a row, there'd be no charge to have the wedding in the church. And the normal charge was $1,000. 
So Tony just heard the $1,000, no charge. And so he showed up three Sundays in a row. And I think, I think it was on, the, wasn't it on the third, th- third Sunday? I think it was a Sunday night. He received Christ as his Savior. And so, you, you never know what God's gonna do. You never know what God's gonna do. They were glad. And you know what? When she received the Lord, Kim, his wife, he said, do whatever you want to do. I don't want to hear about it. Goes, just go do your thing. And he kept living in the world. Once he became a believer, he then exalted the Lord and fell in love with God's word. Made a commitment to read God's word. And that's where he is today, loving God's word. It's the exact same thing here. They were, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as have been appointed to eternal life believed. How about 1 Peter chapter 2? 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, 9 and 10. Again, for you and I. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness. Out of darkness into his marvelous light. And again, Tony just shared that last night so well. That he was in, he was in total darkness. Just all these vile names that he was labeled. But once he became a believer, now he takes on the name of God. Specifically, the last name that he shared was being a son of God. A child of God. Who once were not a people, but are now the people of God. Who had not obtained mercy, but have now obtained mercy. Back in Psalm 118, to wrap it up. So how does the psalmist conclude it? And what is the last thing that Jesus sang before leaving the upper room? Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. I'm going to be crucified tomorrow. Jesus knew that. But what did He still proclaim? And what did we sing earlier this morning? You're a good, good Father. I mean, do you really believe that? Do you really know that? Jesus did. And I would have loved to have heard him sing this. The disciples didn't get it. It was just one of those things of going through. They did it every year at Passover. So I'm sure they were somewhat going through the emotions because they were still arguing earlier on in the evening who was the greatest in the kingdom. So they didn't get the bigger picture. This was not the first year that Jesus had sung these songs. He's done it for many, many years. But this is his final song. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. Father, we thank You and praise You that Jesus was a man. He was real. And He knew the next day That those who said, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name Lord, some of those very people would be saying, crucify him, crucify him the next day. Father, we don't want to trust in man. Yes, we trust in people to a certain extent, but not for eternity for sure. Lord, we just want to trust in you. 
And we do thank you for men and women that are trustworthy. But in reality, we're only trustworthy because we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. So, Father, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Even right now, fill us afresh, fill us anew. We want to be more like your Son. We want to be able to sing. Even when we know tomorrow we're going to have a surgery. Most of the time we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So help us to even sing with to you with what we're going through right now. No matter how painful that might be, we know you're with us. And Lord, we want you to be exalted in our lives. We want you to get the praise because, Father, you do valiantly even in our lives. Oftentimes, we just don't take the time to recognize it. We're just glad the trial's over. Lord, help us to take time to think during the trial and to praise you after the trial and to glorify you through it all because you're with us through it all. You knew it was going to happen. You're in it with us and you know when it's going to be over. Help us, Father, to make that our focus. Even this week, with whatever we're going through, you have a plan and a purpose. You know, as the saints are praying, maybe you're with us this morning. And I say saints because if you don't have Jesus as your Savior, you're an ain't. You are not a saint. You need to receive Jesus as your Savior if you want to go to heaven. That's not what I say. That's what the Bible says. John 14, 6 says, Jesus speaking, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one No one comes to the Father except by me. Those are the words of Jesus. Take it up with your Bible if you don't like it, but don't wait to see Him face to face because there will be no open discussion. If you would like to receive Jesus this morning, just pray this simple prayer with me and God will receive you. He's not waiting for you to get cleaned up. He wants you just the way you are right now. And He will clean you up as you surrender to Him. Just pray this simple prayer. God, I need a Savior. I've been trusting in so many other things and I have to admit they they continually let me down. God, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. And so I turn to you. I repent. And I invite Jesus into my mind, into my heart right now. I accept what He did on the cross. His sacrifice. I accept that. And I invite your Holy Spirit right now into my life. 
I really don't know what this means. But I'm going to trust. You'll show me. You'll tell me. So I invite your Holy Spirit right now into my life. And I say thank you. That now when you look at me, you see your son Jesus. And then you see me. And I am now holy. I am now unblameable before your sight. Thank you that I can call you Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you and praise you for this morning. And Lord, if if anyone prayed that prayer, I just pray that they would solidify it by getting into the Bible, proclaiming it to someone else that Jesus is now my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. When we all stand, guys, God bless you. Have a great week. Again, Friday night, 6 o'clock. We've had people come in at 7. Well, I didn't know. (laughs) It's in the bulletin. It's on the website. 6 p.m. We're going to start right on time. We'll end up probably about 7.15 or so. And then next Sunday morning, 6 a.m. Even if you come to the 9 or 11, we have people that come to both. Feel free to come on out. It's a beautiful morning. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Sing, you are perfect in all your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. To us, oh, you're perfect. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. To us. Love so undeniable. Love so undeniable. I, I can hardly speak. Peace so Unexplainable, I, I can hardly think as you call. Deeper still and you call. Deeper still and you call. Deeper still into love. Love, love, you're a good, good father. To you are, to you are, to you are, and I'm loved by you. To I am, to I am, to I am, you're a good, good father. To you are, to you are, to you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am, you're a good, good father.